The day our daughter Chandler Bell was baptized in Memphis, 25 plus years ago now, was a glorious day for us, for our family. Our friend John Leggett, who many of you have met, came to preach that service. Our friends Mark and Eleanor Brown, Mark is a chaplain at St. Jude's Hospital, they came uh, to um, do the baptism together. Everything went perfectly, more than we could have asked. And so we gathered at our house afterwards for a luncheon, a baptism party, and Elaine, John's spouse, was there, and she was wearing a a brand new off-white dress that she had got just for this occasion and was holding the newly baptized baby, our daughter, smiling sweetly down at her, not knowing, how could she really, that Kim and I had been experimenting with a more environmentally sound way of child-rearing, we had been using cloth diapers. And Chandler Bell smiled back up at Elaine and then proceeded to conduct a baptism of her own, all down the front of Elaine's brand-new off-white dress. So our cloth diaper experiment ended that day. Baptisms can be as different as the ones being baptized, as the churches in which they are baptized. I've baptized babies who, when the water hits their head, it's as if the heavens open and the sun shines down through the glass and they smile adoringly up into my face. And I have baptized babies who, when I reach for them, arch their back, and let out a howl that only gets louder as the water streams down into their eyes. I've baptized young people who, frankly, were being forced by their parents to be baptized and who could barely contain uh, their resentment. And I've baptized adults who were brand new to the faith, who were soaking it all up with Evident joy like a dry sponge. Whether folks are baptized here at the font with a little bit of water and a lot of order or out in a river in a moment of spontaneous conversion, it's an event that's filled with so many sights and sounds. It's such a tactile event, such a memorable event, surrounded by family and friends, presided over, uh, at least in our tradition by this robed minister pronouncing these ancient words, a lot of fanfare. It's such a memorable event. It's easy for us to get the key meaning of it, that this is something God does. It's a move of God, a wondrous covenant God establishes with us. Something of the power and mystery of baptism is conveyed in that old black spiritual. Now, if if it was one of our other pastors preaching, they might sing it now, but I'm preaching, and so I'll just say the words. You know the hymn, wade in the water, wade in the water, children, wade in the water, God's going to trouble the water. There's a question that Luke is putting to us this morning. 
And maybe it's one that we didn't expect. Luke asks us rather pointedly this morning, who baptized Jesus? Now the weight of church history and the witness of the church's preaching and teaching over two millennia provides one answer to that question. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. The locust-eating, hellfire-preaching prophet call him John the Baptist because he baptizes the repentant out in the wilderness, including a young man from Nazareth named Jesus. It seems an important question. Who baptized Jesus? If you were baptized, I'm sure that you remember who baptized you, even if you were a baby. You were told who baptized you. You were told everyone who was present at the time. And forever you feel an important and profound connection with that person. The person who baptized me was the late George Warren, and I've always felt a certain bond with him over my lifetime because I knew that he was the one that all those years ago placed the water on my head and said those words, I baptize you. We know from Paul's writing that he encountered groups of people who formed around certain preachers, and they identified themselves as being baptized by those preachers. Some say they are of Apollo, some of Peter, some of Paul, all of them organizing themselves around that individual who baptized them. It seems an important question, but it's not important to Luke. If you asked him who baptized Jesus, he would give you a big shrug of the shoulder. He has no idea, but he knows for sure who did not baptize Jesus. John the Baptist. Even though it's not in our assigned text, if you go back and look at the verses right in the middle of those two sets of verses we read, you will see that Jesus' baptism happens after John is in prison. And it's only after his imprisonment that Jesus comes to the waters and is baptized among a crowd of people by whom we do not know. For Luke, it seems that it is very important to his story of Jesus that John be completely off the scene. Jesus emerges from those waters and John is nowhere to be found. Jesus stands there in Luke's gospel, baptismal water streaming down his face, praying to God. Only in Luke's gospel are we told that Jesus was praying as he was being baptized. He's praying for God. He's looking for God. He's listening for God. And when the dove descends, Jesus hears the voice. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. There is no John in the story. There are no crowds of people overhearing the voice or great thunderclaps as in other Gospels. In fact, if you had been there, at least in Luke's telling, you might have seen only this figure from the hill country of Nazareth with a dove fluttering about and his eyes closed while around him the world goes on. 
But what Jesus hears in that moment is an announcement of his identity, an announcement of the joy of his Father. Jesus senses that God is troubling the waters through which he is passing, inaugurating his ministry. I heard that she was attending another church with her new husband. And she hadn't been in the church I was serving in well over a year. So I sent her a note and I asked her if she had ended up joining the church where she was attending, her new husband's church. No, she said, and I won't be, even though I suspect we'll keep attending. They wanted me to be baptized again. They said it was a requirement for membership in that church, and I just couldn't. I almost did, but I felt like something very important to who I am was being questioned. So I can't join that church. I guess I'm just too Presbyterian, she said. What she was getting at, I think, is one of the core truths about baptism that it's all about identity. Jesus hears the voice of God saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Baptism speaks the truth about who we are by telling us whose we are. There was a time when people, you know, found a strong source of identity and belonging in their jobs. But today we live in an age when people change jobs with increasing frequency, according to some researchers, as many as seven times in a lifetime. There was a time when people lived in a community, lived in the same community or region of the country, and formed a deep identity in those bonds of community. But today our frequently changing jobs and careers takes us to many different areas around the country or around the world further away from family and communities in our own congregation. Now for, for many, many years, the majority, an increasing majority of our members do not come from Franklin or Williamson County originally, but from all areas of the nation. Our identities don't come so much these days from our jobs or our locations geographically. And maybe this is a good thing for us because it forces us to consider that our identity comes from none of these fleeting sources and so many others, but from the one who calls us by name, who says, you are my beloved child. We discover who we are by discovering whose we are. Baptism is God's work and not our own. Regardless of the age someone is baptized, regardless of even if a person is baptized, the truth toward which baptism points is an announcement of what God has done and is doing and not about what we do. There's nothing magic in these waters. There's nothing at all about the mode of baptism or the time of baptism, or the minister who baptizes, or the church that baptizes, that changes that fundamental reality. 
Baptism is an announcement of a spiritual reality that God loves the world, that God loves us, that God loves you, calls you by name. God's going to trouble the water, says the hymn. So maybe those times when the diaper doesn't hold those time when the baby, times when the baby arches her back and screams bloody murder. Those times, like we saw here, the very last baptism we had, when the baby tosses his pacifier halfway across the chancel. Those times when our order of worship gives way to disorder, when our formality descends into a kind of chaos. Maybe we should take those moments as a reminder that this is not ultimately about what we do, but about what God does. And when you think about it, the same thing holds for the church always, not just in baptism. We exist for the glory of God and God alone. We exist not for ourselves, but to point to Christ. The chaplain was summoned to a hospital chapel where a young couple waited for him in fresh grief. Their baby had been stillborn only minutes before. He thought he was being called to come in there to pray with them. But moments after he got there, a nurse came in with the little stillborn baby and gave her to her mother. And after a moment, the mother handed the baby to the chaplain, the surprised chaplain, and said, I want you to baptize my baby. Now, the chaplain immediately thought, this is against the rules. It's against the rules of my own tradition. It's against the rules of this hospital. It's... I don't even baptize infants in my tradition, he was thinking. He couldn't discern if they were members of a church. The baby was no longer alive. The mother said to him, her name is Nicole. The chaplain realized as he held the baby that there wasn't even any water around. And then without thinking... He took a tissue, wiped the tears from the mother's eyes and the father's eyes and his own, and said, Nicole, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now that couple may have trouble remembering the name of that young, frightened chaplain quickly improvising a rogue baptism. But may they never forget the Spirit who truly baptized their daughter, who called her by name and said, You are mine. No matter how it happens, may we never forget either. Amen.